You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, August 19th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. 15 days away from the opener against Notre Dame. It feels good to say that, my friend. Um, two weeks from tomorrow, Notre Dame's been going through some things, some depth issues. They have a first-time quarterback. Now maybe he'll be really good. I know he can run the ball well. Um, seems to be a tough matchup for them. They are the number five team in the country. We'll see if they're overrated. Um, I think they're walking into uh, a buzzsaw. What are your thoughts overall on this matchup a couple weeks from now? First, I would like to say uh, it's unfortunate to hear the news about all of the injuries that they're experiencing right now in Notre Dame. The last thing that you want to see is kids get hurt. These kids, they dedicate a lot of time and effort to be able to try to play the game at the highest level. And I hate to see when, when student athletes get hurt like that. So, Hopefully those guys can get out of camp with no further injuries and they can come into Columbus uh, as healthy as potentially possible. But as far as Notre Dame, you know, you their wide receiver core, that's been kind of the talk of the camp. You hate to see that many guys go down. I believe they're down to their four. They're down to maybe four or five. Uh, they moved the safety over to a wide receiver. Some walk-ons are going to be playing in the two deep. So for those guys, that's a tough situation to have to be able to be uh, to be down that many wide receivers. The quarterback here, I think uh, he's going to have a tough time going against the Jim Knowles defense, who's going to be throwing a lot at him from the Notre Dame side, from their insiders there. They believe the strategy in order to try to sneak out a win in this game is to run the ball 40 plus times and try to have it as a one score game in the fourth quarter, because there is no. They don't see a path to where it's going to be a Notre Dame route, which nobody expects that, including Vegas. But in order for them to try to hang in there and get and not experience the knockout blow, they need to be able to slow the game down. They need to be able to run the football. They've been pointing out the Oregon and, and Michigan blueprint. And uh, Ohio State fans are, are extremely educated. And they've come out and said, well, this isn't the same team as last year. You may want to do the. Uh, you may want to use the Oregon. You may want to use the Michigan blueprint. And for Notre Dame on their side, hey, run the football. Make Ohio State prove that they can actually stop the running attack, the rushing attack. But I just think that it's a vastly different program. They're going to really uh, hone down that rushing defense. And if you're to believe Larry Johnson with 12 defense alignment rotation, they should be really fresh come the fourth quarter of that game. No doubt about it. Um, so much to get into on today's show. I wanted to start off with the Notre Dame game. We're going to be talking about that nonstop for the next two weeks. We've been talking about it all offseason. Wanted to kick off the show with that. Um, we got a chance to meet with the quarterbacks yesterday. C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, and quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis. My gosh, Stroud is so impressive. We'll talk about Stroud in a moment. Um, 
Now, do you think there's much of a competition for the backup quarterback job? Do you think it's calm accords based on experience? I'm really impressed with Devin Brown, the little yeah. I've seen when they go live. Um, and that was in the spring. I haven't seen them go live at all during the fall. But um, what do you think, Jay Book? Do you think there's a, much of a competition for the number two job this year? I don't uh, right now. And everyone in the program is extremely high on Devin Brown. He's a he's a guy that's come in that's already put on 20 pounds, according to uh, Corey Dennis. Actually, all of the quarterbacks have put on 20 pounds. So that, that right there tells you that those guys are really getting into the weight room. But I just see that Kyle McCord pretty much probably has has this job going into week one against Notre Dame as the backup quarterback. I would have to say this. There has to be a drastic fall off the cliff for Kyle McCord's play and Devin Brown stepping up and playing just out of this world in order for him to unseat um, Kyle McCord. Because right now you have to look at it, Dave. This is a national championship roster right now. God forbid if something happens to C.J. Stroud, you want to be able to have a guy who really knows the playbook, who's going to be able to take command of that offense once, you know, the big boys come to town. So I think it's smart to keep Kyle McCord there at the second. He hasn't done anything to warrant him being jumped right now. All right, let's get to the next one. You kind of touched on this. If disaster strikes, let's hope it doesn't, obviously, but if disaster strikes, could McCord, if he's the guy, hold the fort down or it gets down to yeah. the number three quarterback? Not that we've ever seen the Buckeyes get down to their number three quarterback and do well, right? Um, could one of those guys hold the fort down, in your opinion? Meaning, could they Absolutely. still accomplish their goals? Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel really comfortable with Kyle McCord. I feel I feel good about Devin Brown. There's going to be some learning curves, and you're probably going to have to shrink the playbook down and not be able to do all the things that you would love to do if CJ was in there. But if something happened to CJ, I feel 100% confident that Kyle McCord would be able to more than adequately keep this offense turning around. I mean, you look at all the weapons. All he has to do is just get the ball out. Get the ball to your playmakers. Um, Henderson and Bayon, they're going to take a lot of pressure off of him in the rush in the running game. And then with the wide receivers at, at his disposal, including the tight ends, which they're really bullish on, I have no doubt in my mind that if, for whatever reason, Kyle McCord was in there, he would put up uh, huge numbers. And I will say this, and a lot of people in the program believe that Kyle McCord – if he wasn't at Ohio State, could probably be starting at almost every other Big Ten school in the conference right now. Yep, a lot of uh, I think every commenter um, agrees it's it's Kyle McCord. Obviously, Devin Brown's family is not listening to the show right now. We didn't even have one person say Devin Brown's going to be the backup. It makes sense. Kyle McCord right. is not only a year older; he got a start under his belt last year as a true freshman. That's huge to have that. You know, he's got a year. I mean, and having a year under your belt in that Ryan Day system is also huge. So I'm high on both of those guys. That's going to be a very interesting battle next year. Um, we'll see what happens. All right, back to our guy, QB1. So uh, uh, it was awesome talking to him. He's just – he's such a great kid. Nothing's changed. He's become a superstar, and he's still as grounded as can be. Just an A-plus young man, to, in addition, of course, being an A-plus quarterback. So Maybe the one thing that, that he needed to work on was getting stronger. He said he used to hate lifting weights. Now he's falling <laughs> in love with it. You know, he came in about 200 pounds, maybe more like 195 as a true freshman. You know, was up to about, you know, 212 last year, maybe 215 at the most. He's now a solid 220. Uh, been working hard. Uh, we know he's every bit of six foot three. And here's what I also liked. He also says they measure him by miles per hour, which is cool. We all think of like, I mean, you know, being a former football player yourself, um, all about this. But, you know, 
we're thinking, you usually think, how fast is he? He's running a 4.3, 4.4, 4.5. You know, they're measuring these guys in miles per hour, and they wear these little devices right there. And Stroud was so proud that he hit his personal best, not only in the squat, the bench, all the strength drills, but also in the speed, the miles per hour. So he's faster than ever. He's stronger than ever. He's confident. My gosh, I mean, he was great last year. How much better can he be this year, Jay Book? Great point, great point. And if you're an Ohio State fan, I think you uh, hold on to your seats because you may see something that's extremely magical in the football field this year. When the kid says, hey, I hated weights. Um, I bought into the strength and conditioning program. I put on weights. I'm up to 220 right now. I'm stronger, uh, which meaning that his arm is a lot stronger. He's faster. Now, when you talk about speed, the first thing I saw a lot of Hall State fans say, does that mean he's actually going to run the football when given the opportunity this year? And you and I talked about it uh, numerous times. Just take off. Go get that first down if it if it warrants instead of just sitting in the pocket and trying to wait for somebody to get open. So hopefully that builds a little bit more confidence. But I will say this, Dave, the thing that really stood out to me to most out of his comments was his his quote about how the game has slowed down for him. That right there is huge when it comes to the quarterback position because, you know, coming in there as a first year starter, things are things are moving fast. Defenses are trying to confuse you. Bullets are flying everywhere. Now it's kind of like he's in the matrix where everything's going slow and he's seeing the way things are developing. He's seeing where uh, the wide receiver is supposed to be. He's being more of a leader. So those little intangible things, I believe, is what is going to take his game to a new level. And Ryan Day said it last year or, you know, in the offseason, like, yeah, CJ had a good year, but we're nowhere close to his ceiling. And I think now you're at the at the point where when the quarterback's saying, I'm understanding the defense better, my study habits are a lot better, I'm taking care of my body uh, better than what I previously did, that right there are all really good signs that this is a quarterback that is 100% all in to the strength and conditioning program, to the student of the game aspect, and then just being able to bring all of that together onto the field, hopefully is going to be a magical season for Stroud. We've had a couple of commenters. I want to get this in. Uh, we've got so much to talk about. Um, we're probably not going to get to as many questions as we usually do. But we've had several questions already um, from our live audience about cornerback depth. Um, now, Jay Book, this is right in your wheelhouse. Obviously, they, they return both starting corners in Denzel Burke and Cam Brown. Those are going to be the starters. I think if Jordan Hancock is healthy, and luckily we heard that, you know, the, the injury is not serious, calf, maybe a hamstring, I heard both. Um, I actually ran into Jordan Hancock before a practice last week. He says he's fine. He'll be fine for the opener. You know, athletes are. They're going to say they're fine, maybe if they're not. Um, but Ryan Day backed that up. All the corners he said that are banged up right now. He said it's a concern because they only have six scholarship quarters and they got guys banged up right now. But presuming everybody's healthy, um, you got this two starters. And I think Jordan Hancock's going to play a lot, as we talked about all offseason. He might play as much as the starters almost. J.K. Johnson's having a good camp. He's going to be at number four corner. And the other guy to keep in mind is Jair Brown. Jair Brown is the other guy to really keep in mind, in my opinion, true freshman. Um, your thoughts on the depth at, at corner, and are you concerned about it? Uh, I'm somewhat concerned about it um, because those guys have had a past injury history, especially Cam Brown. But as long as they stay healthy, I feel really good about the talent that, that they actually have there. So cornerback, um, you know, depth is something to always monitor, especially going into camp with only six scholarship corners. Now, 
how they are trying to alleviate some of that problem. They are cross-training guys like Kim Martinez and Tanner McAllister just in case it's a break glass type of an emergency situation. So I do feel good that those guys are going to be able to hold the fort down, expect all the corners to be out there against Notre Dame. I mean, this is prime time, baby. This is where, this is why you come to Ohio State mm-hmm. to play on the biggest stage, to play under the brightest lights. If those guys are able to be able to walk, they're going to go out there and give it a shot. Now, Hancock, that's the wild card. If he can play up to his potential and his highest level, being in putting him, a guy like that, in a slot is going to be huge going against Notre Dame's uh, All-American tight end. Uh, Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson, they've had nothing but rave reviews all camp. Uh, a lot of people are saying that those guys have been performing above expectations. And I would say the one silver lining about giving guys uh, some rest and putting them on the pitch count is you're throwing those younger guys in the fire with that first team defense going against some of the best wide receivers in all in college football. So the old saying iron sharpens iron. So when those younger guys go out there, they're going to be battle tested and general Bobby Carpenter, who was over at practice, he talked about the, the young cornerbacks uh, and he said, you know, for a first team defense that really uh, looked phenomenal out there, he, he looked up and realized like, Hey, these are the, these are the young pups at corner. And you really didn't see a drop off from the defensive back position, even with those young guys out there. So that has to make you feel really good that, hey, even though they're young and inexperienced, the situation hasn't overwhelmed them yet. And they're more than ample to hold their own. And Dave, you've been on the beat for several years at a place like Ohio State. If you can't play here, you will get exposed in practice against some of those uh, guys that are four and five star All-Americans that they've recruited. And to use a Cooperism, I wasn't a big fan of John Cooper as a coach, but I loved, loved a lot of his sayings. If a dog's going to bite, he's going to bite as a pup. We saw it last year with Denzel Burke. I'm not saying Jair Brown's going to be Denzel Burke this year. He's not going to come in. Now, Denzel Burke, didn't have they didn't have as good a depth last year at corner. Seven Banks was a mystery. Now they got all these guys that are a year older, including Cam Brown as a fifth-year senior. But Jair Brown gives me a little bit of that vibe. He's all football. He enrolled early and – a dog's going to bite. He's going to bite as a pup. Not always. Some guys, it takes longer to develop. But, yeah, I, I agree. J.K. Johnson, redshirt freshman, he's going to play well. And, again, Jordan Hancock, if he's ready, he'll play well as well. So, I think you hit on it. All right. So much to get to. Let's switch gears and talk about the other huge news. We knew it was coming, but now we know details. The financial details, there hasn't been a specific number. The latest that I saw this morning was it was – because some people were saying it was – seven billion dollars i'm like that doesn't sound right over seven years because i heard it's gonna be north of a billion per year that that's the case latest i'm hearing it is the big 10 is getting north of eight billion over seven years beginning next year um it's interesting we knew fox was going to be the main partner what who are going to be the other two well it's cbs which i love for many reasons growing up in ohio the big ohio state games were on cbs watching keith byers and those guys back in the day um, I love that theme song. And let's remember, Buck yep. Nuts and 24-7 Sports is owned by CBS. So selfishly, <laughs> I love I love that, that now CBS is going to be not just uh, with the Big Ten for basketball, but for football. And then NBC was the surprise to me. Um, and they also have Peacock. People some might say, well, Peacock's free. Some of Peacock's free. There's no way in hell if an Ohio State game is on Peacock, it's going to be free. So that's the streaming service. I thought Amazon or Apple might get in there. 
Lots to unpack there. Were there any surprises, Jay Book, in your mind? Anything you didn't like? Lots to unpack there. I love this deal, Dave. And I would tell you, like, the biggest thing that I really like about it is typically when it comes to these uh, networks, they're all in for themselves. In this deal, the Big Ten has essentially declared ceasefire amongst all of these networks. So what you're going to have is a cross promotion is what I heard. Mm -hmm. And so all of these networks, they're all going to be working in conjunction to really promote the Big Ten. So as you're watching the big noon kickoff on Fox, they're going to be saying, hey, after this game, go over to CBS where you're going to have Ohio State versus Wisconsin in the 330 window. Then CBS after that, make sure you turn in tonight to NBC for the primetime kickoff, Michigan State versus uh, Penn State at the whiteout. And I love the aspect that they're going to be able to cross promote. And then you talk about the $8 billion. It has the escalation clause in there that they can go up to $10 billion if they decide to expand. So I love the I love the fact that the Big Ten left that little dangling carrot out there for announcing this, say, oh, yeah, we're probably not done expanding yet, which, you know, kind of made the Pac-12 uneasy, especially when they have that escalator clause out there. So if I'm a Pac-12 team, I'm fighting like heck to try to get into the Big Ten but I like it. I think it's going to be a situation to where we're going to be coming down the line that the players are going to be sharing in revenue. Uh, it's just a matter of time because if you're making, you know, a billion dollars, schools going to be making upwards to a hundred million dollars a year. Eventually the players are going to want something out of that. I know Gene Smith kind of touched on it and said they're already getting a piece of it, but I think it's going to go a step further. And if that's the case, it's really going to separate the haves and the haves not between the big 10 and the SEC about who's making enough money. And the other thing that really cracked me up yesterday too, Dave, was all of the belly aching and the crying from the SEC faithful down there complaining about how they felt that they got ripped off by ESPN with their deal, considering how how lucrative this Big Ten deal is, just saying, hey, we need to go back to the table. We need to expand more in order for us to get into the same ballpark as the Big Ten when it comes to financial status. So I thought that was hilarious that the SEC is looking back at the at the ESPN deal and actually saying it probably wasn't a really good deal when you consider CBS for second tier games is paying the almost the equivalent of what ESPN is paying for 100 percent of the SEC access. And then on top of that, you know, Big Ten still getting the Peacock and the NBC and the Fox money. So the SEC people are like, what the heck? You know, they, they kind of got swindled here on this ESPN deal. I know Kevin Warren's getting a lot of, uh, you know, praise and credit for this, and maybe he does deserve more than I think. I think Gene Smith deserves most of the credit here. I feel like he was behind yeah. a lot of this. I really do. And I will I'll tell you I'll tell you this, uh, this quick story, Dave, and the listeners. I, I listened to, uh, you know, College Football XM with Rick Neuheisel and those guys on there, and Rick's a UCLA guy, and they had – the guy who broke it, I can't remember his name. He's out of, uh, I think, the Fresno, San Jose area. One of the reporters who broke it. And they said Gene Smith led a lot of this because Gene, uh, you know, is really good friends with Martin Jarman, who is the UCLA athletic director. Once USC made that approach to the Big Ten and the Big Ten was receptive to it, the word is Gene reached out to Martin and said, hey, this is what's happening. You need to get it. You need to get on board with this. With Michael Drake over at Cal, 
there's a whole big stick up right now because Cal feels slighted. Cal's upset because they didn't get the invite to the Big Ten. However, uh, Michael Drake, former Ohio State president, said that he knew ahead of time that this was going to happen because Gene essentially gave him a heads up. That's what they were saying because he didn't want Michael Drake to be blindsided about what was going down. So he gave him a courtesy call to say, hey, just a FYI, we're taking Cal and, or we're taking USC and we're taking UCLA. So for you, I just as a professional courtesy, I wanted to give you a heads up. So when you say, yeah, Gene was behind a lot of this, um, that was essentially confirmed by Rick Neuheisel and those guys on College XM. Uh, saying that, hey, he was the linchpin to really get the ball rolling with UCLA and say, hey, don't get left out here. This is a golden opportunity for you guys to get on board with USC. How about our old friend Michael Drake getting involved a little bit in the story here? It's just <laughs> there's so many it's so many interesting things. And, yeah, it, to add to your point, yeah, uh, Jermon, the, the uh, AD at UCLA, used to work for Gene at Ohio State um, and then went to Boston right. College and then obviously went to UCLA. And then furthermore – so it's Gene and him are very close, as you outlined. And then Gene's also not as close, but close with the AD at USC. The AD at USC used to be the AD at Cincinnati. And him and Gene know each other very well. So those three guys, Gene leading the charge, I think deserve a lot of credit here. But mostly Gene. Speaking of Gene, got a chance to speak with him yesterday. Um, he, I love how I love how candid he is and how he hints, hints about things. Um, you know, not a lot of coach speak with Gene because he's not a coach. Um, now he's got to be political to some degree, but uh, he did indicate this is not really breaking news because this has been out floating out there. But he indicated the Big Ten's on the verge of eliminating divisions. That sounds like it's inevitable, it's going to happen just a matter of when. So, do you think it's inevitable? And if so, do you think it's going to happen as early as next year? I do. Uh, Gene said they had originally tabled to talk uh, before. UCLA and USC joined the conference and he said they need to bring those athletic directors to the table, but it, it sounds like it's a done deal. Uh, Gene said pretty much this is essential. They have to do it in order to create um, a scheduling balance for UCLA and USC so that they can really set those games up. And I think the TV networks want to be able to have that scheduling uh, flexibility as well. I also thought it was interesting that the Big Ten has agreed not to do games, not to schedule games more than a year out because you see the Texas game that's far out and the Alabama game that's far out. Now, Dave, those games, they might be in doubt. I don't know once the Big Ten uh, gets up and rolling with USC and UCLA, will that Texas game even happen, especially with Texas looking to join the SEC so that game might be in doubt since they're only going to be scheduling non-conference game one one year out. And then Gene, his original holdup on why he didn't want to do away with divisions is because someone asked him that could potentially be a rematch between Michigan and Ohio State playing in the last week and then turning around the next week and playing in Indy. And Gene said that was a that was his biggest gripe. He did not want to see that, but. He had to, he said, I got over it. <laughs> that was that was basically like I pouted about it and I got over it because this is something that for the greater good of the conference needs to happen as far as eliminating the divisions. And then I also thought it was uh, interesting that they're thinking about going to 10 conference games um, because of the inventory that that would present to their uh TV executives, what they'll be able to do with 10 conference games. And I have to say this, Dave, I'm skeptical 
about the conference going to 10, uh, the Big Ten going to 10 conference games, especially with the SEC at eight. Gene wants to go to eight, but he was saying that there's a lot of push from other athletic directors and TV networks to go to 10 games. So I thought that was really fascinating and leave it to Gene uh, to really take a dig at his alma mater, say, I love them, but they're coming here to get their butt whooped like they always do. I, always, I thought that was hilarious. Gene being a Notre Dame guy when asked about them. So uh, I always love when Gene talks because it always makes national news and it actually gives us something to talk about every time he opens his mouth. Yeah, he's great. He's absolutely great. I know Buckeye fans weren't exactly sold on him early in his tenure. Now, I can't find a Buckeye fan that doesn't love Gene Smith. I mean, he's just done a great job. Um, I know I know Tatgate and all that, and I know people didn't think he handled it well, but um, he kind of inherited like a, a bad situation. Not inherited. I mean, he just um, – that wasn't really his fault. And the, the bottom line is Gene Smith's done a bang-up job, and every Buckeye fan seems to love him now. We had Sue say he's just a, a flat-out assassin out there. I love that. So – uh, great stuff, as always, out of Jonah Booker. Coming strong, as always. Thank you to Jay Book. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. We appreciate it very much. And thanks to all of the comments and questions from our live audience. Thank you so much to all of you. You have a lot of options. We appreciate you making the Bucknuts Morning 5 a part of your morning Monday through Friday. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend.